Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Thanks for joining me again on the podcast where we talk about the ebb and flow day-to-day work of what it means to be a ministry leader, particularly talking about pastors, uh, organizational leaders, youth pastors, all kinds of other people that lead out in the ministry organizations and churches uh, for which we're assigned. Well, a few weeks ago, I mentioned on the podcast that I'd like to hear from you, and I heard back from a listener who said that he had a particular issue he wanted me to, me to address. And quite frankly, uh, I found his, uh, his questions to be very probing and very timely for where we're living and ministering right now. And so today, I want to talk about responding to and meeting the mental health challenges that people are presenting to us as ministry leaders today. And most specifically, I want to talk about the role of the pastor uh, and perhaps other church leaders as counselors helping to meet the mental health challenges we're facing today. So those are the questions. Uh, How do we meet mental health challenges? How do pastors do a better job of that? And what is the role of pastors in counseling and meeting these mental health challenges? So let's see what we can say about that today that might help us to uh, to do a better job of ministry leadership. First of all, let me begin by saying that I definitely recognize the mental health challenges we're facing today. A couple of different uh, personal aspects of this for me. First of all, we've had uh, mental illness in our extended family. Uh, In fact, for as long as I can remember, uh, my wife and I have been dealing with family members who've had uh, different challenges. Uh, some diagnosed with different mental illnesses, others just simply struggling with mental health challenges. And so this has been a very real and persistent part of who I've been as a ministry leader and who we've been as a family. So I definitely, on a very personal basis, recognize these challenges. Second, I also recognize them because of the stresses many people are experiencing today and how those things are showing up Uh, both in the workplace where I'm the leader, uh, in the church where I'm a member, and in the community where I'm living. Obviously, the pandemic and everything associated with that has been a part of these mental health challenges. That's uh, evidenced itself in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think that what some are calling the great resignation or the great upheaval in The workforce right now is a part of all of this, and I'm certainly facing some of that. Now, we haven't had large numbers of people leave Gateway, but by normal attrition, we've had some. And quite frankly, it's really hard to hire new people right now because there's just a shortage of workers and there's a shortage of people who are mentally healthy enough to move into the workforce without distractions. And then, honestly, I have never dealt with, in my years of ministry leadership, the amount of church conflict going on right now. I have dealt with pastor after pastor after pastor who's telling me about uh, outbursts of anger, frustration, difficulty that they're dealing with among their members and even among their leaders. And these kinds of mental health challenges are showing up in church life in really uh, destructive ways right now. So... Uh, The first thing I'll say today is I I really recognize that we are living in a time of significant mental health challenge and significant mental illness, and I've both experienced it personally and professionally in my family and in the organization that I'm leading. Now, in addition to that, let me also say that I really value counseling. I think that counseling uh, is a very positive thing 
and I want to say uh, good things about it and, and show you some different ways that I have affirmed the importance of counseling for Christians. First of all, uh, I've been to counseling. Now, I, I don't go often, haven't been lately, but uh, I have been for counseling to talk about marriage issues, talk about uh, adjustment issues from my past and some of the challenges I had growing up. Uh, I have been for counseling to talk about parenting issues and about the challenges that we face in raising children. Uh, there is not anything wrong with going to someone and saying, could I have an hour of your time or could I meet with you a few times to sit down and work through uh, some particular issues or some particular presenting problems that I've been facing. So I, I value counseling. I, I value it highly, and the first evidence of that is I've been to counseling. Another evidence of that is I started a counseling program here at Gateway Seminary. Now you know what I mean. I didn't personally start a counseling program, but I used my influence as president to uh, receive a large gift that helped us to start a counseling ministry or, excuse me, a counseling program a few years ago. Uh, we hired professor and we uh, hired adjunct professors and we've created programs and we grant degrees in Christian counseling from Gateway Seminary. And this is an important part of, of what we do and of our overall strategy of helping uh, to prepare church leaders and ministry leaders for kingdom advance all around the world. And then another aspect of this for me is uh, that demonstrates my commitment to and appreciation for counseling. Not only have I been to counseling, not only did I help start a counseling program here at Gateway Seminary, but I've also supported Gateway Seminary providing counseling services and even counseling subsidies to pay for those services for students. Now, we do this in a variety of ways, but we have uh, methods in place to help students who come to us for specific help with specific issues uh, that we can send them to counseling services and counseling centers and, and even pay for a part of that uh, program so that we are investing in them and helping them to get the solutions that they need. So I value counseling and I recognize the mental health challenges we're facing today and the need for this kind of an approach to ministry leadership. Now, having laid that foundation, I'm now going to say some things that may surprise some of you and may be hard for some of you to hear. Uh, and you might misinterpret some of what I'm going to say as being negative about mental health challenges or uh, calloused or cold toward people who have these kind of uh, difficulties, or that in some way I don't support counseling or I don't think we should be doing counseling. I hope you remember the foundation I've laid. I embrace counseling as a ministry. I promote it. I support it. I've been to it. I certainly recognize the mental health challenges we're facing today and that counseling is a part of solving that. Now let's mo move more specifically to talk about the meat of what I want to cover on the podcast, and that is the role that pastors and other church leaders and other ministry leaders like me have as counselors. And then I want to move from that to talk about some other aspects of how pastors should define their role in counseling. So first of all, pastors, ministry leaders, we all have a role as counselors, and there's at least three aspects of this that we provide. The first is what I'll call spiritual direction. Uh, we have a responsibility to help people, to counsel with people about spiritual issues. This, of course, uh, has, a, has as its most basic application, talking with people who are seeking a relationship with God about their salvation and how they can come to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that he extends in their lives. 
But spiritual direction goes beyond that. As people come to us for direction about specific issues like, is God calling me to ministry leadership? We have the responsibility of processing and talking with and helping people to discern what's happening in that area of life. And then there's other kinds of practical questions, like, for example, uh, it's not uncommon for pastors and ministry leaders to have someone come and say, you know, I've met this guy or I've met this girl and I think she or he is the one. And I wonder how I know that God is leading me to get married. And if God is leading me to get married, how I know it's to this specific individual person. Uh, Another kind of spiritual direction issue that I often get involved with as a president of Gateway is helping pastors and other ministry leaders who contact me Uh, and want spiritual direction about whether they should change their ministry assignment or change their ministry location. So, for example, they're serving in a church, and another church or another school contacts them and asks them to consider coming to work in that location uh, or in that that, uh, setting, and they'll call me and say, how do I know if God is calling me to do this, and how do I know if it's time to make a change, and how do I know if this place is better than that place, and how how do I sort out the issues of am I abandoning my post or am I leaving the people who desperately need me? Uh, Am I just going for something bigger and better, shinier and maybe more lucrative? These are the kinds of questions that people call asking for spiritual direction about making a vocational decision. So the first kind of broad category that pastors and ministry leaders provide counsel regarding is spiritual direction. Questions about salvation, questions about call to ministry, Questions, for example, about who they should marry, uh, questions about uh, vocational choice and whether they should move from one ministry to another. These are very common kinds of counseling situations we find ourselves in when we're providing spiritual direction to people in a ministry leadership context. A second kind of category, if you will, of counsel that we provide are what I'll call pastoral conversations. Pastoral conversations. Now, these uh, might not even look like counseling appointments because they often happen in the ebb and flow and the ongoing work that we're doing with people in the context of just being pastors and being ministry leaders. Uh, These are those hallway conversations, those conversations over coffee, those uh, phone calls you take when someone says they've just got a question they want to ask you, something they want to follow up about. Pastoral conversations. Uh, you know, I've, I've had so many of these over the years uh, in context, for example, about marriage and parenting, a very common subject where you'll just be out and a fellow will say, you know, I've been struggling with this issue with my wife, Pastor, and I just wanted to lay it out for you, see if you had any thoughts about it. It's just a presenting problem they want to talk about. Or I think about one time I was sitting in the bleachers of a Little League game and a fellow sat down beside me and he said, you know, I... I've noticed you have a pretty good relationship with your son. I laughed and said, yeah, well, you just only see us in public. Uh, He said, no, I've watched you quite a bit, actually, and you do have a good relationship with him. And I just wonder if you could help me to know some of the things you do, because my my 12-year-old son and I, we're really struggling right now. And I thought, well, man, that's an interesting thing to say to me on a Little League bleachers. And I just said, this is a moment, you know, that we can have a, uh, that I can have some spiritual input into this guy's life. And so that's a pastoral conversation. And so as ministry leaders, we're having these all the time. And while you might not think of them as a counseling appointment because no one got on your calendar, no one came to your office, no one sat down in a place where you were taking notes, this is still an important part of the pastoral work that we do and the ministerial work that we do. 
It's having pastoral conversations with people uh, as life is unfolding about the issues that they bring before us. It's part of giving spiritual direction and just helping people uh, to know how to respond in these different aspects of life. Well, pastors have a role as, a, as giving spiritual direction, of having pastoral conversations. But the third role that pastors and other ministry leaders have is what I'll call triage and referral. Triage and referral. Now, triage is, of course, more commonly thought of as a medical term, but it means that you make an immediate diagnosis of the level of care that is required and you send that person on uh, to get that level of care. Uh, for example, in a conflict or a war situation like uh, has been recently happening in our world, you know, medics uh, do triage. They look at a person and say, you know, you have a cut, but you're going to be okay. We need to get to you later. But the next person, oh, you have a serious wound. We need to get you treatment in the next hour or you're not going to make it. Or the next person, you have a gruesome injury. You need treatment in the next 30 seconds or you may not live. That's triage. It's looking at a situation, diagnosing how serious it is, sorting out what kind of help a person needs, and then getting them into that right context or getting them the right help that's needed in the moment. That's called triage. And it often, in pastoral counseling and in spiritual counseling, leads to referral, meaning that you sit down with someone and you realize as the conversation is unfolding that there's more here than spiritual direction and there's more here than a pastoral conversation. There's actually something that uh, requires either time that you don't have or expertise that you don't have or it's going to require the kind of examination that you're not really qualified to give. And so you deal with that kind of situation by doing triage and referral. Now, listen carefully. Triage does not mean that you shuffle people off or that you blow people off or that you don't give them the serious attention they need. This kind of uh, appointment or this kind of meeting or this kind of encounter uh, may take some time and definitely require some discipline and skill on your part. But the ultimate end is that you're going to say to the person that you're working with, I now understand better the situation you're facing, and I want to help you best by referring you for this kind of care where I think you'll get the kind of help that you need. So triage and referral. So these are three categories of counseling that pastors and presidents and people like us who are doing ministry leadership find ourselves offering. We do spiritual direction, we have pastoral conversations, and then we do what I'll call triage and referral, where we meet with people and then discover that this is someone who needs a different kind of help than perhaps we're best equipped to provide. And the pastoral care that we provide and the pastoral direction we give is making sure they get the help they need. Now, that leads me into the last part of the podcast and really the bulk of what I want to say today. And that is, after everything I've said up until now, the next statement may surprise you. But I believe that pastors should do very limited counseling. And that presidents should do very limited counseling. And that most of us in ministry leadership should have a very limited amount of time, energy, and even expertise devoted 
to counseling ministry. Now, again, let's remember the foundation I laid at the beginning of this podcast. We recognize the significant mental health challenges we're facing and even mental illness that's a part of the lives of people that we're trying to care for. And I personally, and I think a lot of you would say this is yourself, I'm committed to counseling. I think it's important. I've been to counseling. We have a counseling program at Gateway. We provide counseling and facility counseling for students. So remember that foundation. And also remember that I've said pastors and ministry leaders do these other kinds of counseling and have these other kind of connections that I've just been describing. Remember all of that when I make this conclusive statement, though, that pastors should do limited counseling. Now, let me amplify that statement just a bit. Why do I think we should do uh, limited counseling? Well, first of all, it's because our primary task as pastors and ministry leaders is gospel communication. And this gospel communication that we do is impacted by the emotional and relational needs we discover in pastoral ministry. But our primary task is gospel communication. Our primary task is not providing mental health resources. It's gospel communication. It's making sure that everything we do is gospel-centered, communicates the gospel, and brings people face-to-face with the reality of living out the gospel in their context. Now, I believe that good Christian counseling is gospel-centered. And when you send someone to someone else for counseling, you want to make sure you send them to someone who will give them gospel-centered counseling. But your primary role as a ministry leader, unless you are specifically assigned this task of counseling, your primary role as ministry leadership is providing the gospel and communicating the gospel and making sure that it's communicated as the primary message that you're delivering. Now, having said that, growing out of that, I want to also say another reason that we should do limited counseling is our time as leaders must be spent on the many, not on the few. Now, you may say, well, I know, but Jesus said, go after the the one and not so much the 99. And I get that. I definitely get that. And that's an evangelism parable. Let's keep that in mind. Our time as ministry leaders is spent on the many, not on the few meaning that we focus on preaching and organizing and equipping to meet the needs of the many, not just the needs of the few. Now, this also means that we take on that we take seriously our responsibility to get people the help they need, but not help them with every need. Let me say that again. We take seriously our responsibility to get people the help they need, but not to help them with every need. So, for example, your time is spent as a ministry leader organizing ministry so that dozens, if not hundreds, or perhaps even thousands of people get the instruction, the guidance, and the information they need on a weekly basis to make life work better and to navigate their Christian experience more effectively. That's why we've been given a primary role as leaders of being equippers, being equippers. So, for example, here at Gateway, uh, my time as president is spent on preaching and organizing and equipping 
so that I have a large organization and a large faculty who are out there doing so much work to contact uh, about 2,000 students every year through our ministry. Now, just think about this. If I was trying to meet with every one of those students one-on-one and delve deeply into their needs and meet their needs on a personal basis, I might get to 20 or 30 of them in a week. But my focus is not on meeting the needs of the few. It's on meeting the needs of the many. And as a leader, my responsibility is facilitating the many who can then meet the needs of all people connected to our organization, including the needs of the few who need that kind of individualized help on a specific or regular or even weekly basis. So, yes, there is a mechanism at Gateway Seminary to get people one-on-one help, uh, individual counseling if needed. But I'm making sure that happens, not doing it all myself. That's why the Bible puts such an emphasis on spiritual leadership having the focus of equipping others for the work of service. You know, as leaders, we want to make sure that needs get met, but we don't meet every need ourselves. So we do limited counseling because our task is primary gospel communication. And second, our efforts are mainly expended on the many, not on the few, and that we recognize that the best way for us to meet the needs of every person is by preaching and organizing and equipping the many so that the many can minister to the few as we develop these organizational strategies to move forward. A third reason that ministry leaders should limit the time they devote to counseling is because our primary strategies are preventive and prescriptive. Our primary strategies are preventive and prescriptive. For example, Uh, As ministry leaders, we organize marriage conferences. Now, we may also facilitate some marriage counseling along the way, but once again, if you facilitate a marriage conference or a marriage retreat in your church and you have 50 couples participate and they go away for a three-day weekend and have instruction and prayer and relationship building and networking and and from that experience have new information, new energy, and, and new strategies for solving the problems in their lives, Think about how much, you would, how much time you would have to devote if you tried to do that one-on-one with every one of those couples. So your work is preventive and prescriptive, meaning that you organize things like this conference and retreat so that you can impact many people with the time that you're allocated for, quote, marriage ministry in a particular week or a particular season in the life of your church. Now, this takes a lot of different forms. Uh, Recently, a professor here at Gateway was approached by a student, not excuse me, by a person who said, "Uh, I really admire your preaching and I'd like for you to mentor me as a preacher. And the professor said, no. He said, I teach a preaching class every semester at Gateway Seminary. Sign up for it. And once you've taken my preaching class, then... I'll be glad to spend some one-on-one time with you helping you to become a better preacher. But why should I spend one-on-one time with you when you won't devote yourself to coming and taking the preventive and prescriptive measure of a class on how to be a better preacher? Now, our professor wasn't being hard-hearted or cruel. He was just simply saying, my responsibility is to the many, not the few. And my primary role is preventive and prescriptive. And so if you take advantage of the preventive and the prescriptive that I'm preparing for the many, then 
what you don't learn in that context, I can help troubleshoot in a one-on-one conversation, and we can really improve your preaching ministry. But I really respected what he said to this prospective student because what he was telling him was, look, I'm not going to have a counseling relationship with you to diagnose and fix your preaching ministry if you won't take the initiative to take advantage of the preventive and prescriptive efforts that are being made, that are being offered to you, that will help you to become better at this thing called preaching. So uh, we should do limited counseling as ministry leaders because our primary task is gospel communication. Our time must be spent on the many, not the few. We are primarily preaching, teaching, organizing, and equipping others to do the work of ministry. And our primary strategies are preventive and prescriptive. And then number four, another reason we should do limited counseling is our counseling expertise is limited. Now, I know a little bit about some different aspects of counseling. Uh, I know a little bit about premarital counseling. I know a little bit about marriage counseling. I, I know a little bit about helping people with parenting challenges and parenting issues. And so I have a little bit of expertise in those areas. But when I sit down and talk with someone who's a true expert in the field, I am I'm amazed at how little I know. You know, sometimes one of the uh, deceptions of leadership is that we think because we know a lot about a few things, that means we know a lot about most things. And that simply is not true. And so, yes, I can offer you a little bit of counseling help in some certain areas, but really not very much. And so I need to be careful that I recognize that my counseling expertise is limited. It's not my specialty. It's not what I do all day, every day. It's not where I've been trained. It's not where I've taken degrees. It's limited. And I want to be really careful to not overblow my strength in this area just because I have some ministry strengths in some other areas. And then finally, another reason we need to limit our counseling ministries is because our diagnostic tools are limited. You know, pastors and ministry leaders mostly have one diagnostic tool, and that's conversation. Uh, You tell me your problems, and I'll give you some advice or some counsel or some direction. There's not anything wrong, by the way, with that as a a basic method of doing counseling. But there is so much more needed in terms of being a diagnostician before you can know how to really respond to and meet the needs of people. For example, uh, some depressions are caused by physical problems. For example, I've had thyroid cancer many years ago, and I take thyroid medication, have taken it now for almost 30 years. And when I don't take my thyroid medication, or if I don't take enough thyroid medication, uh, I'm... I start slowing down. My mental capacity slow down. My capacity of thinking quickly gets slower and slower. Reasoning becomes a little harder for me. And I can look actually depressed. But I'm not depressed. I have a medical problem. And if I'll take my medication, the depression, so to speak, will go away. Ministry leaders don't have this kind of diagnostic tool. We can't order a blood test. But doctors can. And that's why when someone comes into my office as a pastoral leader or ministry leader and and says, I'm depressed, I feel down all the time, I I don't have any energy, 
the very first thing I'll say is, you know, I'll be glad to talk with you about that, but you've got to see your physician. Uh, and you've got to have a full medical workup, and you've got to see if there's anything that's medically causing you to have this happen, because I can pray for you and have all the spiritual counsel in the world, but if your problem is physical, then we got to get a physical solution. I don't have those diagnostic tools. I also don't have all the psychological diagnostic tools that are available to people who are really skilled in psychology or psychiatry, where they can uh, ask uh, or they can give us a diagnostic exam or a diagnostic test or uh, put someone through a battery of uh, examinations to help them understand what's really going on with a person's thinking, what's really going on in a person's uh, cognitive ability. I don't have those tools, those resources, those assets. And so because I don't have those diagnostic tools, it's going to limit the kind of counseling I can provide uh, to a person. So in spite of the fact that pastors and ministry leaders are facing a huge amount of mental health and mental illness in our world today, and in spite of my personal commitment to and support of counseling and counselors, And in spite of the fact that I do believe we should be offering spiritual direction and pastoral conversations, let me encourage you that triage and referral is probably the counseling ministry that most of us need to have. Most of us need to limit the amount of counseling we do because of our primary task being gospel communication, our time need to be spent on the many, not the few, our primary role being equipping, our primary strategies being preventive and prescriptive, and the recognition that our expertise is limited and our diagnostic tools are also limited. For these reasons, perhaps the best thing we can do as ministry leaders is network ourselves with people who are highly skilled at counseling, network ourselves with a medical community that can assist us in helping people sort through medical issues that may also be affecting mental health, and then have the pastoral and ministerial and leadership good sense to say, I recognize what's going on with you and the kind of help you may need, and let me help you get that help as my primary way of counseling with you. So meeting the mental health challenges of today, it's a real, it's a real issue and we've got to do a better job of it. The best way to do that is to practice a limited level of counseling as ministry leaders, but then value counseling so highly that we help people get what they need and how they need to access it to restore the mental health that they need in order to function more effectively. I hope this podcast helps you today as you lead on.